Hello, everybody, and welcome and Happy New Year. My name is Jessica, and I host the Crossroads Church podcast, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. And first of all, before I hand you off to Ryan and the message of this weekend, I just want to remind you to access the show notes when you have a chance. There are links in there for today's talk notes, links of ways you can give, There are also links to things like the Connect card, and we would love to know who's here with us. I would love to personally connect with you and say hello. So send me your information through there if you're comfortable with that. You also may want to access the link to the feed e-newsletter, and that will help you stay connected and in the know of all things coming up. Well, it is New Year's weekend, and today we wrap up the series called The Meaning Behind the Magic. And here is Pastor Ryan with that message. Well, it is good to see you. If you're watching on Sunday morning, I want to welcome you. And I'm sorry I can't be with you live to say Happy New Year, but I will say Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to those of you that are tuning in on Thursday evening as we enter into the New Year season. Uh, It is good to be together. Uh, My name is Ryan, and I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church, and I just am so glad that you're here today. I hope you find your time meaningful with us as we are in our series, The Meaning Behind the Magic. In fact, we're wrapping it up tonight. We're wrapping it up today, whether you're watching it in the evening or in the morning, we're wrapping it up this weekend with our final uh, talk in this whole series where we've been exploring the really amazing stories around Christmas and looking for the meaning behind them, trying to avoid getting into arguments about how it really happened and do we have to get all frustrated, but we can actually look and say, okay, we get it. Matthew has Jesus born in a house. Luke has Jesus born in a stable. What do they mean, and what do they call us to do with our lives? So we're entering into the new year season. It is new year, and uh, we're all familiar, hopefully, with that beautiful song, Old Lang Syne, which seems to be a staple around this time of year. Uh, became really famous through It's a Wonderful Life, but this is a song that kind of gets sung all around the world this time of year. Maybe you know the first verse, it says, should old acquaintance be forgotten? and never brought to mind. It's a question. Should we forget our old acquaintances and should we never think about them? And then it says, should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? Old lang syne is like old time's sake, right? Our past, right? And then the chorus goes on and says, for old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for old lang syne. Remember old lang syne, this idea of time's long past. So it's a beautiful song that calls us to say, as we look to the future, should we forget about the past, right? And then I love this call to take up a cup of kindness. I'm not sure if this is a drinking song or if it really is what I like to think of it as. Like this metaphor of we we take a cup of kindness, we give that cup of kindness to others, but part of what we do is we reflect on what's happened in the past. We don't simply move 
move to the future. I was reading about this song, and it's interesting that a lot of cultures think that this song was actually written in their language originally, because it's just become such a huge part of the global community at this time of year, but it's actually uh, written in the Scottish language. And it calls us to live this reality that as we look to what's next, let's remember and hold the past carefully and closely, right? So New Year is this time where we really are get caught up and we think about what's next. People make resolutions. They look to their future. They wonder what's happening, what's going to happen, uh, how can I make good changes in my life, what does the new year hold for me? The truth is, though, we all receive new ways differently. We all receive new ideas. We all receive new things uh, in different ways, right? Some people love new. Some people don't love new, right? Some people love the idea of a new job. Some people hate the idea of a new job. And when we're filled with comfort, when we're filled with contentment, when we're filled with familiarity, like everything's warm and cozy and we just have our rhythms down, we don't really like the new, right? We, we say things like this, well, what's wrong with the old? Like, why are we fixing it? It's not broken. I love it, right? So when, when we're comfortable and we love what's happening presently and there's this just feeling like all is well, we don't want to upset the apple cart. But when we find ourselves filled with frustration, when we find ourselves maybe fearful, when we find ourselves longing for something, we feel like something desperately needs to change, when something new comes into our life, we say things like, finally, I can't believe it took so long, Right? Finally, they fixed that problem with the computer. Finally, they've given us the solution at work that we need, right? And so depending upon our circumstances, we receive new, sometimes very positively, we receive new very negatively. You should kind of think about your own life. Are you a type of person who loves new, or are you a type of person who loves familiar and gets settled in? And so as we kind of explore the meaning behind the magic of Christmas this year, this weekend, what I really want to do is look at the magic of what's called epiphany. And Epiphany is the celebration of this idea that God manifests God's self to everyone, to the Gentiles, right? And so uh, January 6th of this year, 2022, is the 12th day of Christmas. It wraps up, and it is the Christian celebration of Epiphany. And remember, Epiphany is this moment where the Christian church celebrates the manifestation of Christ, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, as seen in the story of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2. Now, we've looked at the story of the Magi during this series, and we talked about the meaning behind it and how Jesus was really being shown to be this new Moses. But I want to focus specifically on the idea of Epiphany and this new way home that the Magi are given. And so epiphany is not just a Christian celebration, it's also this word that means a moment of sudden revelation, like of insight. I like to think of epiphany as kind of a moment in our lives where we know everything changes, where we know that something new has come into our life, there's a new circumstance, there's new information, but there's something that has now opened our eyes and we see the world differently. And from a, the, a faith perspective, we, would, we could say this is when we experience God breaking into our normalcy, breaking into the way we see the world and offering us new ideas, offering us uh, kind of a new opportunity to see 
life. And so I want to look at this story, Matthew chapter 2, verse 7 through 12. I want to read it again. I know we've read through it a couple of times at different points through our meaning behind the magic. I want to just kind of look at it, though, specifically around epiphany and what about this new way that the magi are given and what does that mean for our lives? So if you remember, the magi have traveled from the east. They end up in Jerusalem. They come to Herod. They say, we want to worship this one who's born king of the Jews. Herod doesn't know what's going on. And so Herod secretly calls the magi and determine from them, the text says, the exact time that the star appeared. Because the Magi tell him, hey, we've been following his star. And so Herod then sends them on to Bethlehem and says to the wise men, go and carefully search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. I love this phrase that Herod says, go and search carefully. So the Magi searched carefully. I think there's a really good word in there for us uh, today because uh, we ought to always be searching for Jesus in our world carefully. Uh, we are bombarded a lot of times with ideas about Jesus. What, what would Jesus do, right? That's a big question. How should we think about Jesus? Where do we see Jesus at work? Uh, we have thousands of denominations, thousands of different ways of looking at certain passages in Scripture, the life of Jesus. And I think there's something really powerful for us in this idea that we ought to search carefully. And, and that goes for me, right? My job is to stand up here and kind of talk about Jesus and, and what I see and understand as truth at the present moment. But we should be careful with that. I think we should always be careful with this idea of I certainly know and understand. We should open up our hearts to the idea of mystery. And I think it's perfectly appropriate to say, this is what I think, this is what I believe, this is what my life has kind of shown me. But we should always hold that very gently, right? And allow for mystery, allow for our lives to be transformed and our ideas changed. You know, I do think there's something really powerful about saying, I'm carefully following Jesus. I'm carefully searching for Jesus in our world, how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what I believe today, what I think today could change based upon knowledge that I've been given, based upon a new understanding, a new experience. And so I think that's a good word for us to search carefully for Jesus. And so the text goes on in Matthew. It says, after hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they had been following, that they had seen in the east, it went on before them. So it guided them, and it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It had been a long journey. They were excited. We're done. We're done traveling. We're done walking. Here we are. And it says, after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. So we could get into like all kinds of discussions right now and say, well, I thought Jesus was born in a manger. Oh, well, it took years for the magi to get there. So they were in their house at that point in time. And we get into all those discussions to try and make it all work. My point of the meaning behind the magic series is, okay, that's fine, but it's not important. What's important is what does it mean and what does it call us to? And this passage, if we get caught up in arguing whether it was a manger house, we missed something really important, that the appropriate response to encountering Jesus was worship. It was worship, that there was something powerful that was happening, that there was something unique, something special, that they came and they bowed down before this Jesus, and they paid him homage, some translations say. And for Matthew, a Jewish writer, to talk about this idea of bowing down, of, of being respectful, to be translated as worship, that's a big deal. And the Magi who are outside of the Jewish faith, they recognize something powerful is happening here. God is present. And so it says that they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Right? These are all acts of worship. 
And it says that having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, so they have this epiphany, right, this realization, don't go back to Herod, the Magi left for their own country. Here's the key phrase for tonight, by another way. By another way. We could say by a new way, right? So they get this epiphany, and the Magi say, don't return the way you came. Uh, God says, I'm going to show you a new way to go. And I think the meaning behind all this can be really powerful for us. And that is that when we encounter Jesus, if we'll pause, if we'll reflect, if we'll hold in our hearts what's happening, that that can and will and most often does lead to a new way home, right? So they encounter Jesus and they find themselves a new way home. And that, I think, is the meaning really ultimately behind the magic, when we will kind of dedicate our lives to encountering and worshiping Jesus we will always find ourselves with the opportunity to live in another way, to live in a new way, right? So imagine the Magi, they have this dream and they find out that Herod actually wants to harm the child, that their lives are in danger, fear must set over them and they're given a new way home. That new way home isn't necessarily an easy way. That new way home doesn't necessarily mean, oh, life is gonna be peachy. Who knows, this could be a way they've never traveled before. And there's something about that parabolically that we can apply into our own lives that when we encounter Jesus, oftentimes we find ourselves worshiping Jesus and we're going to be offered a new way home. If home represents safety, if home represents security, if home represents flourishing, Jesus often offers us a new way home, a different experience. And so when I say encounter Jesus, what does that mean? Well, I think that's about experiencing the divine presence in our lives. To encounter Jesus is to recognize those moments where we have encountered the divine presence. Sometimes that happens, I think a lot of times it happens when we receive kindness. When someone shows us kindness, when we see someone giving us love, giving us grace, we're, I think, in the presence of the divine. The, the Christ is living and working and moving when we find encouragement from someone or something. Oftentimes, I sense God's presence just in the moment where I might be listening to a song on the radio and I'm just overwhelmed by encouragement. I'm overwhelmed by knowing God's in control. That's a kindness that I've received, and I think that's where we are experiencing encountering the divine. And what do I do in that moment? What's the appropriate response? Well, I, as we're going to say, I think it's worship. I think it's recognizing what God is doing. I think oftentimes we experience the divine when we give away our kindness, too. Sometimes we're so focused on ourselves, but when we actually go into the spaces where there's hurt, where there's need, I think of the fires that are raging right now and the opportunities that we're going to have as a church to pour ourselves into helping others. We are going to experience the divine when we walk into those spaces and we make sacrifices. I also think we experience God in religious practices. Now, I know you're going to say, well, Ryan, you're just saying this because you're a pastor. That is true. That is definitely true, Right? But I do think there's something really powerful in the practice of gathering together. I recognize the pandemic. I recognize that we're in a season where uh, it is unsafe for some folks to be gathering together. But there is something powerful where two or three gather together in Jesus' name. In other words, where two or three gather for the focus of Jesus, to lift Jesus up, something powerful happens when we sing, when we submit ourselves to teaching, when we pray, when we give when we read our Bibles, when we do that in community, when we do that alone, we're encountering, we're opening up our hearts to the opportunity to encounter this living Christ that is moving in our world. 
I think we can experience and encounter God in the beauty of creation. There's something about creation that offers us this, this reality that I can sit and become very small and, and God can become very big. I remember when we were considering moving away from New England, we lived 13 miles from the ocean. And it was hard to imagine not living by an ocean. Uh, we had been there for 20 years and you just kind of got used to this big majestic thing. And I remember the first time I saw the mountains when I came to Colorado a few years before we moved here, I remember calling Wendy and saying, okay, I get it. I could probably not live by an ocean, but I need to live by something big. And, and there's just that sense that I'm put into a place of humility when I'm around something so big as the Rocky Mountains or the Atlantic Ocean or whatever else it might be. So when we have those encounters, the then response would be worship, would be worship. So what's worship? Well, we could say worship is singing or worship is giving in the offering or worship is going to church and all those things are that. But I think ultimately worship is the elevation of something or someone to a place of authority and influence in our lives. And one might say to the rightful place of authority and influence. So it's the things that we do that would set Jesus in the rightful place of authority. Right? It's not just the physical things, although those are important. I think singing is important. I think uh, recognizing that there are physical things that we do, but all of these things together elevate Jesus, elevate God to a place of authority and influence in our everyday normal lives. So prayer. Prayer is an act of worship, right? Because prayer takes it, uh, us and says, okay, I'm, I, I don't have to do this on my own, right? And we can put our trust in something, someone larger, bigger than we could ever imagine, I actually think uh, when we have spiritual conversations with other people about how do we live out this gospel, what is God calling us to, that that can be an act of worship. I think when we desire wisdom from Scripture, when we open up the Scripture and we look for wisdom for our lives, we're actually elevating Jesus, we're elevating God. When we serve others, we're saying, I recognize Christ in you, so I'm elevating that over myself. And so worship as a whole, this idea of elevating God, elevating Jesus to the place of authority, influence in our lives, it changes us. It transforms us. It frees us from having to be in charge. I, I think worship is important. I don't understand how it all works, right? Like singing, sometimes it's strange to me. I'm like, is God Zeus? Is he in a bad mood? Is she in a bad mood? Whatever pronouns you use, like what's it all about? But what I've come to realize in my life is that I think we're called to worship because it transforms us. Because we so often, I don't know it's necessarily that we get arrogant, right, and worship humbles us, as much as we forget and we think we have to carry it all ourselves. I think that like the, the healthy human response to problems in our world is to dive in and we want to try and fix them. And then we find ourselves going, I have to fix everything. I have to take care of it all. I have to do all stuff. But worship, like when we sing, right? We sing about the greatness of God. We sing about the goodness of God. When we sing these songs, it comforts us because it reminds us, oh, wait, I don't have to be the one who fixes everything. I, I'm not in this by myself. It's not that God is up there wondering, well, I wonder if you're ever going to ask for help. I wonder if you really... No, I think God knows us so intimately and so deeply as a human species that God says, these folks are going to try and change the world, and they're going to try and do it on their own, and they're going to forget that I'm right there with them. And so worship draws us into a space, right, where we are transformed, where we are humbled in a positive way to say, wow, I don't have to carry it all. And fear sets in when we carry everything. And what worship does is it relieves fear of its power. Right, all of a sudden I can go, whoa, 
that God is at work, and God has been at work since the time of creation. And love is coursing through this world, and that is the power of God. And so in our everyday normal lives, as we leave this place, you find yourself going, well, what is it all about? Why does this make a difference? I want to encourage you, if you're experiencing fear in an area of your life, imagine the Magi. They have this revelation, this thought. What if Herod wants to kill us, right? There's fear there. So they're thinking about their journey home. They're afraid of that route, right? You're thinking about whatever area of your life and fear is setting in. What's going to happen to my kids when they get older? Are they going to get a job? Are they going to graduate? What about my finances? Can I retire? There's all these spaces. My physical health, fear sets in. When it sets in an area of your life, I want to encourage you to encounter and worship Jesus in that space and trust that God will provide another way. Right? So you're in that space, right? You're in this moment. You're in the zone. Say, I've got to encounter Jesus here. Where am I seeing Jesus? And then worship. So here's a great, I think, a couple of examples of how this can work out in our normal lives. If you are experiencing fear in your home life, Maybe it's a relationship with your spouse, your significant other. Maybe it's a relationship with your children. Maybe you just feel things are kind of crumbling around you. I want to encourage you to hit the pause button and worship Jesus in your home and find a new way to be family, right? Maybe things are changing. Maybe the sand is shifting. The ground is shifting under your feet. If you'll bring Jesus in, now remember, worship Jesus doesn't mean go around singing in your house and, you know, get some Crisco and anoint all the doors with oil. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about elevating Jesus, the way of Jesus in your home, right? Elevate the fruits of the Spirit in your home. Elevate this idea of, you know, what we are going to dedicate our home to Jesus and the way in which we treat one another, the sacrifices that we make for one another. We're going to live that out. We're going to try to tune our hearts into a way of Jesus to be a family. Uh, as, as, as spouses, we're going to submit one to another, right? We're going to love each other in this godly way. And then all of a sudden, God shows a new way to be a family that might look different than what we see around us. Maybe you're experiencing some fear in your finances. Well, I want to encourage you to worship Jesus in your finances and find a way of being wealthy, <laughs> a new way of being wealthy. Not, the way, not how the world thinks about wealth, not how the way of wealth that produces anxiety and fear and what happens if it all goes away and I just need this amount of money and I need to have this and I need to have that. And what, no, there's a, there's a new way of being wealthy when Jesus is Lord of all, right? We find ourselves rich in new ways and all of a sudden worry and anxiety. It's interesting, like our family has like always had certain practices that have been grounded in like the wisdom of scripture around giving and, and just how we handle and manage finances. And I've worried a lot about money in my life, but I've never worried about money that I've managed the way that it seems like scripture and the spirit of God has called me to. If there have been nudges in our lives to give money away at different times, I've never worried about that. I always worry about the money I keep for myself. I always worry about the money that I try to spend on stuff I shouldn't, that I can't afford. But the money that I put into the care of God, the spirit of love in the universe, I never worry about that. And I find myself oftentimes feeling very, very wealthy in so many powerful ways, sometimes when there isn't much in the bank account. And there's no fear doesn't have to reign there. Maybe you're feeling fearful in your physical life. I think this is a reality for a lot of us right now. We're still in the heart of this pandemic. Uh, we have this Omicron variant that's very fast spreading. We're hearing more and more. I know our family uh, has just been through a tremendous scare with my brother-in-law who nearly died from complications with COVID. And this is very real and it hits our lives and fear can set in. And I just want to encourage us to 
to worship Jesus in our physical life and find a new way of being healthy, right? Can, can God show us a path to be healthy, right? So we don't have to be afraid. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore science. I'm not, that's, I think that's foolishness. But it just means it, when that fear sets in, can we elevate Jesus? Can we know that, that this life that we've been given, that God can be trusted? So can we then like, follow the, the, the science, follow the ways that God has provided for us and find a new way of being healthy that doesn't have to be grounded in some kind of very strange, politicized reality? Right? But can we just find it? And this, it's not just the pandemic. It's everything about our health. Right? Our body, the scripture says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is a gift. I want to be around on this earth as long as I possibly can so that I can be as much a part of the kingdom of God as I possibly can be. So what does that mean in my life to honor God, to, to elevate this way of Jesus when I think even about my physical life? And then maybe you're like me <laughs> and you have a hard time saying no. Maybe you're feeling a lot of fear in your schedule. Maybe you're a go, go, go kind of person and there's all kinds of problems you have to solve. Or maybe you live with this big fear of missing out, like FOMO. And so you don't say no, you just say yes. And so you're like feeling this fear in your schedule. Well, I want to encourage you to worship Jesus in your schedule and find a new way to be fulfilled. Right? If we'll elevate Jesus, if we'll learn the power of Sabbath, if we'll learn the power of boundaries, Jesus didn't go everywhere. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Jesus had rest, right, built into the rhythm of life. And so maybe, right, we can worship Jesus, elevate the way of Jesus, even in things like our schedule, and God can provide a new way, another way to be fulfilled that's deeper. Uh, so there's this, there's this book, we'll call it a book, in the New Testament called Revelation. And it is probably one of the craziest pieces of literature ever written in like the history of the planet, in my opinion. And uh, it's been misinterpreted. It will continue to be misinterpreted. I'm going to misinterpret it. You're going to misinterpret it. Uh, we can do our very best, I think, to understand apocalyptic writings from the first century. But it's still, it's used to manipulate. It's used to produce fear, all kinds of things. Uh, and so I, I'm very hesitant to like pull a verse out of Revelation, but there is a there is there's lots of beautiful parts of Revelation, um, but there's this passage at the end of Revelation where uh, kind of there's this full there's this idea of this image of the fullness of God taking place in the world. There's a new heaven and a new earth, and this new Jerusalem is seen coming down from heaven. Which, by the way, I don't take literally. Surprise, surprise. Um, and it's this idea that that God is is among us which I actually think is about Jesus already among us and, and the light of the world among us working out. But there's this beautiful statement where the one who's sitting on the throne, which we find earlier in Revelation 20, uh, the end of 20, is God. And in 21 verse 5, it says, he who sits on the throne says this, behold, I am making all things new. And I think there's real beauty in that. And I think there's really something that ties into this whole idea of a new way and a new year that what God does in our lives, what worshiping Jesus does, is it provides the opportunity for new. It provides the opportunity for another way. It provides the opportunity for fear to be disbanded. This is, by the way, a part of that scripture that's really beautiful that talks about there's no more tears. Every tear is dried and wiped away. And I think that's what the kingdom of God is doing right now, is drying eyes. We're always doing this more and more. And I believe deeply in my soul that one day every tear will be dried forever. I don't understand that, but I just hold it in faith. But I do believe God is right now giving us the opportunity to have everything in our lives be made new, but it does require the elevation of Jesus, the worship of Jesus. 
And that's an epiphany. And it comes not just once in our lives. I, I think there is like this reality, like, oh, I want to give my life over to this way of Jesus. I want to walk in this path. It provides hope for the world. It provides hope in me for, for my life, for my family's life, all that wonderful stuff. But I also believe that there's this, there's this power that's held deeply over and over again in more and more epiphanies, right? That like, I have an epiphany in my marriage. Gosh, this is what God wants for me. And so he's offering me a new way. Uh, in my finances, a new way. In work, there's, a, so there, there's these salvations, these epiphanies that take place over and over and over, I think, in healthy spirituality. It's not a one and done deal. Well, you know what? One day I said yes to God, yes to Jesus, and then life has been, no, I think there's constant movement and that's what growth is. And when we encounter Jesus, right, let's go back to that song, uh, Old Lang Syne, like that cup of kindness, right? When we encounter Jesus in the cups of kindness in our world, when we give it, when we receive it, like hope floods our hearts. I was recently reminded in a conversation with someone, the power of hope. They were feeling very hopeless and then the conversation twisted and they were given just a glimmer of the future that could be better. And they just, it changed everything. Hope is so powerful. It's why it's one of those things that's going to last forever, faith, hope, and love. It's why we major on hope around here, because it has transformative power. It's something just so wonderful and beautiful. And when we encounter Jesus in the kindness, those cups of kindness that get brought to us, there's hope for our world. There's hope for us. There's hope in the midst that, that God is at work. And when we turn in the midst of that hope and we begin to worship Jesus, I think that worshiping Jesus, elevating Jesus, brings courage to us in the midst of our fears. And we live in a world where fear is real. I don't think fear is somehow like antithetical to faith. Like if you're afraid, then you don't have faith. I think, I think that's foolishness. I think the reality of life is fear sets in, but a life hidden in Christ can be filled with courage to face life in the midst of our fears. So in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And uh, before we do that, I just want to ask this question of everybody who's listening, everybody who's tuning in, you're in the room. What is God inviting you into? As we wrap up the 12 Days of Christmas series here in the next few days, as we kind of wrap up this series, The Meaning Behind the Magic, as we think about worshiping, a life filled with worship, these cups of kindness that we can take up, fear that might be in an area, like what is God inviting you into today? Maybe you'd say, well, I've got a place of fear, and I feel like God's just inviting me to encounter and worship Jesus in the middle of that fear, that there's something going on. Maybe it's home, maybe it's family, maybe it's finances, maybe it's an area we didn't even touch on, but you know in your heart, like, boy, that's, there's fear there, and so I just need to worship, and I need to encounter Jesus in the midst of that. Maybe God's inviting you to make this year, 2022, a year of encounter and worship, that you're going to do everything you can to make that a priority, to elevate Jesus, to stay connected with the faith community, to be a part of using your time, your talent, and your treasure to build hope in our community, to be a peacemaker, but to really focus and say, I want to focus in on my soul, on my spiritual care, on my life, what God has for me by elevating Jesus in the way of Jesus this year. Maybe that's something new for you, and that's just a whisper you hear. And I hope that all of us, I hope that all of us will hear God just kind of inviting us to take a cup of kindness, of kindness to someone this week. That we'll figure out where can we take up a cup of kindness and where can we go and just be those hands and feet of Jesus? Where can we be the epiphany of God in someone's life? A moment that's life-changing because we just said yes to the prompting, to the nudge. 
So I'm going to invite you to stand and sing this closing song, King of Kings. And this song really is this big story of God's powerful love incarnate in Jesus. This powerful love that persisted in death through the resurrection and is born again in us, the church of Jesus Christ. And so the chorus just calls us to praise God. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. This great mystery, God at work, that gives us hope and strength and love. And while we sing this song, if you would love someone to pray with you, maybe there's an area in your life where there's fear that set in. We have uh, prayer folks that would just love from our prayer team that would love to pray with you. They'll be over on the east and the west side of the auditorium. You can just go over and they'll just believe with you that God will be present and provide a new way in the midst of your fear. Well, thank you, Ryan, for that great message and great conclusion to the meaning behind the magic. And I also encourage you to go to the show notes, grab the link to this closing song, King of Kings. It's one of our favorites. And before we go, I want to send you out with this week's blessing. As you leave this place, log off your computer or turn off this podcast. May you hear the invitation of God to be a person of encounter and worship. May you experience your own epiphany in the spaces where fear has settled. May that divine encounter bring you to a place of worshiping Jesus and finding another way home. And may 2022 be filled with the power of God's love at work in you and through you. May you take a cup of kindness to those thirsty from the disappointments and hurts in life. And in those moments, may you be the epiphany of Jesus so desperately needed. Now we, Crossroads Church, offer our everyday, normal lives and worship, longing to encounter the one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen. We'll see you next week.